Jesus. Um, I just want to thank also Adam and Fru. Um, it's a privilege to be here. It's a privilege to be here to stand alongside Adam and Fru. Um, we've been part of the ministry from, from the outset, so it's a real honor to be here. Um, and I just, you know, Adam and Fru have been um, obedient, coming from London, and we've kind of seen this place um, evolve and, and take place through COVID and different things. So I, I just want to thank Adam and Fru for, for being faithful and obedient and, and putting up with, with all of us in, in our different um, situations. But we're all on a journey. We're all on a journey. Um, but I also want to thank Jesus Christ, for without which we wouldn't be here. He is the King of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. He's the one through whom things were created. And I also want to thank my wife and my children who keep me grounded. They know all my weaknesses and my faults. But I stand here covered in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And I thank God for my family. So let me start with, um, see if the clicker's ready for, for action. So we're looking at the book of Acts. We're going through the book of Acts. But before we go through that, I just want to um, remind myself and re remind ourselves, whenever we preach the word of God, we are reminded what Timothy says in the word of God. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, 16. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. Everybody say teaching. teaching. For rebuking. rebuking. For correcting. For training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every say, everybody say good work. Everybody say every good work. You know, that's what we're involved in. And I like the sound of every good work because it gets me thinking, what is, what is that every good work? Because that's what God has got us involved in. So if you look at those things, teaching is good. Rebuking. Hmm. Rebuking doesn't sound so good, although we might be in store for some of that uh, today. Um, correcting. We know that correcting is uh, when we are corrected in one way, shape, or form. It doesn't feel good, but we know that the end of it, the produce of it, is, is, is a good thing. Training in righteousness. So let's, let's just prepare ourselves for, for what we're about to, to do. So we're looking at the book of Acts this morning. Um, the book of Acts, there are principles in the book of Acts, which are as follows. The preparation of Christian mission. The mission in Jerusalem. The mission in Judea and Samaria. The inauguration of the mission to the Gentiles. And mission to Paul, or mission of Paul, to the ends of the earth in which we now stand, Ferndown Church, here. The book of Acts is the history of the first church. It tells us all about the persecution of the early church. Do you know that there are 360 million Christians that are persecuted today and discriminated against. There are over a hundred million that are persecuted in way of death and bodily harm.
but the kingdom of God continues to grow. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. We're looking at Acts chapter 4 verse 23, starting with verse 23. But some reports suggest that between the day of Pentecost and right up until Acts chapter 4, there are 20,000 Christians that are now part of the kingdom of God from the day of Pentecost, and it continues to grow. So we start from verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. Everybody say own people. Everybody look around to your left and to your right and behind and in front and say own people. These are your people. On their release, people, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all. Everybody say reported all. All that the chief priests and elders had said to them. You know, it was, it's great to see that Peter and John, and as we've gone through the series, they were persecuted, imprisoned, and they went back to a safe place to their own people, to report all that had been done to them. It's reassuring. Peter and John gave the church a sit-rep report. So what's a sit-rep report? Well, they gave a situation report as what happened to them. So before I go into the sit-rep report, obviously Peter and John went back to the church and said everything that the chief priests had said and done, which was they questioned them, by what name, by what power did you do this? We're talking of the man who was crippled and then he was healed. They were warned to no longer speak in the name of Jesus. They were commanded not to preach or speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And there were further threats, severe threats. So what's a sit-rep report? The meaning of a sit-rep is a periodic report of the current military situation. And we also have reports from emergency services where they give quick and precise information as to what needs to happen next and detail of what's happened. So number one, a sit-rep report is to discuss everything that is important that is going on. A direct and to-the-point summary to share important pieces of information, all pieces of essential information, direct and to-the-point summary. You need to let the higher headquarters know where the enemy is, so it needs to be straightforward and to-the-point. What would we say to Jesus? If he asked us for a sit report of our lives. Peter and John did not shy back from reporting all that the Lord had done and neither should we. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. 
But let's point out what the SITREP report to the church, what did it come out of? Well, it started off by Peter sharing about Jesus to the chief priests and the leaders. They were telling the leaders about Jesus, who he was, and what he has done on the cross for them. And once that report had been given, action needs to take place. In this case, it was for boldness. So here is a SITREP report of some of the things that I've been doing through God's grace because God has touched my life <coughs> excuse me, in many ways. So we've just come back from Dorset, as you know, <coughs> uh, yesterday. But also over the year or so, we've been to 13 different places, towns and villages, multiple times. We've been to over out 30 times, 30 of our Saturdays. We've been in Poole four times, Portsmouth, Yeovil, Weymouth, Chickaroo in Weymouth, Ferndown, Townsend four times, Bournemouth three times, Boscombe twice, Worth Matravis, A Garden Hill, London, Christchurch, and Dorset. There are over 27 people that have joined us, seven from Sunnyhill. Two have gone on to work with CFAN in boot camps, and one has traveled to Africa preaching the gospel. We've had several threats along the way, like in Acts chapter 4, verse 17, severely threatened. In fact, what was said to one of my brothers in Christ, if you don't shut up, we'll cut your throat. We've got partners, or we're partnering with M16 Christian Life in HTB in Lansdowne, but most importantly, those of you who know David Button, who was, who became a born-again Christian and is now in Teen Challenge and he's doing really well. There's a Chinese lady who we led to, to the church in Lansdowne, who wasn't a Christian, who's now part of the Chinese church. We've prayed and led many people to Christ, at least 20 from myself, Tracks have been given out, at least a hundred tracks have been given out. We've spoken to hundreds of people, seeds have been sown, we've done follow-up calls, lots of engagement, and we've encouraged lots of Christians along the way. Let's give Jesus Christ all the glory. So let's pray more. <clears throat> let's pray more that we would reach others, increase in sharing the gospel, gospel the opportunities to speak boldly in evangelism, especially with the kids club coming up and things in Ferndown <clears throat> and the things pertaining to Ferndown, we pray that things would increase in the mission in the preaching of the gospel. In Acts 1 verse 8, it says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In Acts 4 verse 20, it says, We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So that was the introduction. Let's pray. Sovereign Lord, we come to you as a church. 
as individuals. That your kingdom would come and that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the continuation of the preaching of the gospel to be proclaimed, that the kingdom of God continue to advance and that we speak the word of God boldly. Open our hearts, Lord, to the truth and to your word this morning. And thank you for the salvation of souls and the gospel going throughout the world. Unite us in unity, in spirit, in the bond of peace, and equip us all for every good work. Amen. So we read from Acts chapter 23 to 31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they, were, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by your Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? And the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together and the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against the holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand. Should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Within these eight verses, there was lots to consider. There was lots of people involved. There was Peter and John. There is Peter and John who went back to their own people. There is King David. There are the chief priests and elders. There are rulers that band together against the Lord. There's nations and peoples. There's kings of the earth. There's Herod and Pontius Pilate. There's Gentiles and the people of Israel. There are people conspiring against the Lord's anointing. And there is Jesus Christ himself, the servant of the Lord. We see here that Jesus Christ, that the Lord is, is in control of everything. So these are some of the points that I want to draw out from the texts, from the verses that we've read this morning. Prayer, boldness, or power, boldness, persecution, filled with the Holy Spirit, God's Word, and God is in control. So speaking about Jesus and the persecution led to a prayer meeting. An important event that happened by way of persecution. But, it, but before that, it started with power. 
So here is Peter witnessing. Here is the crippled man. And what's very interesting is Peter spoke to this crippled man and said, look at us. And then he goes on to say, but what I do, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. Rise up in the name of Jesus Christ and walk. It's time to give people what we have. It's time to give people what we have. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. Persecution followed. And then asking for more power and the filling of the Holy Spirit. They were treated badly, hence the persecution. They were imprisoned. They were threatened and instructed what they can and can't do. There were further threats. Let's remember, like Adam mentioned last week and in the preceding weeks, that these were the religious leaders that sent Jesus of Nazareth to Pontius Pilate to be crucified. How would you feel, or how would we feel, having just experienced the persecution that Peter and John had experienced? What sort of feelings come up when you think about that? You've just been imprisoned by the people who have just crucified our Lord and Savior. You've been threatened Let's give that some thought. How do we respond to moderate things in our homes, in our workplaces, in our lives? Whether it's persecution, whether it's difficulty. One of the things I mentioned was prayer. The important event which led to prayer The wonderful thing that we see is that they were all in agreement and they lifted their voices together. What a prayer meeting that was. So what did they pray? They prayed the word of God. Living out the word, they prayed with the understanding of bringing the, what was then talking about King David and people, the nations raging against the Lord's anointing. And they brought it into the same situation as what they were experiencing by being persecuted by the religious leaders. It just fits so perfectly. It's almost like it was led from the Holy Spirit to say and speak the word of God. It wasn't just King David's words. It was the word of God. And it was from Psalm 2. They received what they prayed for. And they received boldness. So in Psalm 2 it says, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. 
saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree, he said to me. You are my son. Today I have begotten your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will speak, you will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned. You rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. And then the last thing it says in Psalm 2 is, Blessed are all who take refuge in him. From being imprisoned to persecuted, to now going to their own people, their prayer was not one of complaining or gossip or vengeance or unforgiveness. We see Peter and John taking refuge in him after being released. Where do you take refuge when things are not going right? Where do we take refuge? Because we see here that when they were released, they prayed a most beautiful prayer. It, was, it wasn't about themselves, it was looking onto the Lord. In Thessalonians, it says, rejoice always. Rejoice. Everybody say rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You see, we see Peter and John taking refuge. Moving on to power. One thing that strikes me out of what they prayed is they, they, it's in verse 28, it said, They did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen. God has already decided what's going to happen. He's decided everything. It, always, it almost reminds me of the story of Jacob. Who knows the story of, not Jacob, jo Joseph. Who knows the story of Joseph? Well, it started with Joseph. He had a, a coat that his father gave him, similar to this one in some way, shape, or form, possibly. So Joseph had a coat. And I love the, the story of Joseph. It's so beautiful because there's a bit in it that just, it, 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 I'm sure it does, for those who know the scripture, it just warms my heart, and I'll read it. Look at Joseph. He reassures his brothers. So when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent the word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. 
This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You who intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So when... So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. So we see here that even Joseph's brothers who were jealous, one, because of the garments, and two, because of the dreams that Joseph had, even the Lord used the jealousy of his brothers to enable God's plan to be fulfilled. So sometimes when we're going through bad things, we need to take comfort that God is in control, even of the most hurtful things that happen to us. God is in control. Your life is in God's hands, and we are not at the mercy of any other person. God's will be done, and he will use it for his glory. And then we look at the boldness that comes from this, some of the verses. After they had been severely threatened, now they need boldness. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand before should happen. And now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Everybody say great boldness. The response was for more boldness, which will inherit more trouble. They asked for boldness, for signs and wonders. Who knows the story of Esther and what she had to endure going into the king's court? You can't just walk in there any old how. You will be killed. But she went in with boldness and courage. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. The continual infilling of the Holy Spirit. What about us? When will it be for us to speak boldly and under what circumstances? Could it be as something as simple as a soft answer turns away wrath? We have the Holy Spirit. And we have the word of God. You see, God knows the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The heart of the religious leaders was murder and jealousy. Because the word of God went forth. And what was in the hearts of the leaders was murder and jealousy. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Like I said earlier, there are 360 million Christians that are persecuted. There was persecution. But what does Jesus say? In Matthew 5, verse 10 to 12, he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Peter and John were blessed. 
And we are blessed. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In Timothy it says, in fact, everyone who wants to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. How did the apostles respond to the opposition? It gave for opportunities to share the gospel. What obstacles are we facing in our family, with our friends? Let's reflect on Peter and John's and their own, their own response. You see, the growth of the church is a threat. Persecution and trials are for our benefit. What did James say? He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. James says again, blessed is the one who, who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, the person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Peter says again to the church, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glories is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. You know, in Jerusalem, after all that had happened, they were then dispersed. They were persecuted, which then led to more disbursement of Christians leaving Jerusalem. And out of that disbursement, the Apostle Paul was reached with the gospel of Jesus out of that persecution. And then we go into the Holy Spirit. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through... Oops. There we go. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant... Our father David. You know the key of life on earth. Is the Holy Spirit. The ultimate goal is to restore what Adam had lost. The Holy Spirit. God is in us today. The Holy Spirit is in us. You know it says in Acts 17. The God who made the world and everything in it. Is the Lord of heaven and the earth. And does not live in temples built by human hands. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when we are facing any persecution. Let's go and find our brothers and sisters in Christ. To pray and to strengthen us and to face opposition. How we should view persecution. It is designed by God to produce 
a perfected faith, to produce maturity, to produce joy, to produce assurance and eternal reward. You see, Peter learned from his failure, and so must we. Failure motivates us many times. We are motivated more by failure than by our successes. Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said that Peter was blessed as this was revealed to him by God. He added, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Jesus promised Peter that he would give, be given authority, then warned them not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. But do you remember when pre- Peter replied, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know this Jesus. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words of the Lord spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Among the most beautiful moments in scripture is when Jesus asked this question to Peter after the resurrection. There is a distinct beauty in the question as it addresses the shame Peter felt from his denial, foretells Peter's future role in the church and restores his relationship to Jesus through his, this question. Jesus gives Peter the opportunity to remember who Jesus always said he was, a devoted leader, an evangelist who would strengthen those around him and spread the gospel throughout the earth. Peter truly did love Jesus and in this, this moment he knew that even his denial of Christ was not enough to stop Jesus from loving him as well so in closing we got there there was a lot of notes and I'm aware of time but you know all time belongs to the Lord look at us look at us silver and gold I do not have you know for Peter to walk past the crippled man and just get his attention look at us Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. They suffered for Christ. They reported all. They went to the safety of their brothers and sisters. They prayed when they were persecuted. Their response to the threats and persecution was to take refuge in God. They were together in unity as a church, lifting up their voices together. Church, we must do likewise. We have the Holy Spirit, the King inside of us. We are vessels on this earth. Father, Lord, we just love your word. Father, I thank you for this wonderful wonderful congregation let us stand together let us stand together